Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. This is part two of my interview with comedy writer Mike Scully. Last week, we spent a lot of time talking about The Simpsons, and if you missed that episode after you listen to this one, go back and check that one out. This week, we get more into live sitcoms as we talk about his time on Parks and Recreation. Also, Everybody Loves Raymond, but we get back into animation because the show that he is currently working on, one that he co-created with his wife, Julie, is Duncanville on Fox, and uh, they are preparing for season two right now. So we'll talk a lot about uh, how you do an animated series, how long it takes, yada yada. Duncanville is going to be a a big topic of this week's episode as well. Okay, you ready? Part two coming up now. Mike Scully here on Hollywood and Levine. Well, you also have done some live shows, many live shows, and I want to talk about two in particular. Uh, You wrote for Parks and Rec, and I have to say, and and we're going to be segueing into Duncanville with Amy Poehler, but uh, I had a chance to work with her on a pilot, and I have to say I love Amy Poehler. Yeah, yeah. I love Amy Poehler. Uh, Talk a little bit about working on Parks and Rec and Amy, that cast, and also working for Mike Shore. Yeah, I I got a call from Greg Daniels, uh, who had co-created the show with Mike, and they were still in, like, doing the first six episodes. And there was no pilot done for the show because Amy was pregnant during pilot season. So instead, they just did a straight-to-series order of six episodes. Um, and they were still kind of, you know, in, you're in that, those early stages of still figuring the show out, and, um, but you're now shooting episodes while you're figuring it out. So it, there was... Uh, so Greg you know, asked if I could come over and, and help out and just be fresh eyes because they had been in the room a long time. Uh, and I was thrilled to, to do it. I, it, I hadn't done single cam before, uh, and, uh, you know, and the chance to work, you know, with Amy, who I'd never met. Uh, 
so I went in, so he had me come in to meet Mike because he and I hadn't met each other yet. And we talked a little about the show. And uh, my dad happened uh, to be in small town politics when I was growing up. So I knew a lot of that world, the, <laughs> the, the petty, the, uh, that's, it's such in people's heads, such on there, it's what, what do they say? All politics is local politics. <laughs> it's right. Like that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's all very vital to them. Yes, my dad thought he was making decisions that would be like dropping a, a nuclear bomb somewhere. <laughs> it's like, dad, it's a loading zone. Calm down, you know. <laughs> Just, um, so anyway, we talked about the show, and and so I was there, uh, and we made some adjustments. It was a lot of fun, but it's interesting that you said like you love Amy Poehler, and when we were watching the episodes together as they're being filmed in those first like three or four episodes, there's a lot of people criticizing Amy's character, Leslie, and kind of knocking her for caring so much about things and, or for wanting to do extra work. And everyone was kind of shitting her. And we came to the realization is everybody loves Amy Poehler. Therefore, everybody loves Leslie and people don't want to see Amy Poehler slash Leslie just being shit. on. So, we talked about it and we made the adjustment of what if everyone was so envious of how much she cared and they wish they cared as much as she did about things and that you wanted to believe a public servant was out there who cared this much about things in your town to get things done and, and devoted their lives to it and making that adjustment. And then like the, and we actually talked a little about Mary Tyler Moore because uh, the relationship between you know, Leslie and Ron Swanson, played by Nick Offerman, it was very much kind of a Mary Lou Grant relationship. Mm -hmm. And we worked on that also. That was part of the, you know, finding the show because they had such great chemistry together. Um, yeah, you had a great cast. That's, that's oh the God. other thing that, <laughs> you know, as, as a writer... You really appreciate the fact that you are writing characters who are funny and really funny actors who can deliver that material. And we've all worked on shows where you're going, you know, I could give the greatest joke in the world to this person and he's just going to kill it because he is just an enemy of comedy. And he was usually <laughs> hired by the network. <laughs> so when you go down for a run-through and you see material being actually enhanced, you know, you, you just, like, want to go up and kiss these people. <laughs> I don't know if you want to yeah. kiss Nick, but, yeah. No, Nick turned out to be, you know, a gold mine, and we were constantly finding that character as we went along and got to know Nick better. And you could see, like, there are things of Nick that found their way into Ron Swanson. You know, the whole, you know, uh, woodworking and and stuff like that that was not originally part of Ron's character, that but it was part of Nick, and he had such a funny delivery. Um, and he was just such a like delightful man and so appreciative uh, of of the work and like even and not just like season one appreciative season five you know you'd like walk in like on the set and 
give an extra joke to Nick, or it could be anybody in the cast. You know, uh, you give them an extra joke or an all like try a different joke on the next take. And if they did it and it worked, like Nick would come over and like, I just want to thank you very much for that joke. I appreciate that. And he'd shake your hand. And, uh, I love uh, hearing these stories. I love oh hearing these stories. Yeah. yeah. He, that whole cast was so much fun. And, and you know, acting like, you, when you discover, you know, you discover those gold mines that you didn't expect. Like, and Chris Pratt uh, was that. Like, they, I think they kind of knew he was funny, but it's like, oh my God, this guy's not just funny. He's like walking hilarity, and you can turn him loose in a scene. And I, that show used to do a lot of like fun runs, like the last take of the scene. You just kind of let the cast loose. Uh, and cause you knew you had the scripted version already. Sure. And a, a lot of gold came out of that stuff and, you know, Aubrey Plaza and Aziz and, and then adding, you know, you add on Adam Scott and, and Rob Lowe and it just, you made Rob Long funny. Yes. You know, yeah, no, Rob Lowe was hilarious. And, uh, so it was all, you know, and, and that was like the happiest set in the world. Like you'd, you go down there. Sometimes you want to like avoid the set on certain shows. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like that one, you'd take a walk down from the writer room and the set, we were all in the same building. So the stage was right below and we'd go in there and you'd instantly hear like, like Amy's like great kind of cackling laugh from across the stage or just anybody. There was always laughter on that set. And, um, you know, the and, and the affection the cast had for each other, it just came through, I think, in the show and watching it. Like, when I'd watch it on TV, even if it was an episode that wasn't as funny as others, it, the show just kind of made you feel good for watching it. Uh, mm-hmm. There was nothing mean-spirited about it. More right after this, a word from Upstart. So if you have credit card debt, you know that the interest rates are so high that... Within a blink, you are buried in debt. It behooves you to pay off that bill as fast as you possibly can. And that's very difficult to do most of the time. Well, there is a solution, and that solution is Upstart. Upstart is the fast and easy way to get a personal loan to pay off your debt all online. So whether you're paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. They assess more than just your credit score, and you can get approved the same day and receive your funds as fast as one business day. Sounds good, doesn't it? You bet. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash Hollywood. That's upstart.com slash Hollywood. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that I sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Once again, go to upstart.com slash Hollywood and get out of debt today. Hollywood and the fine. You know, you talk about a happy set, and that oftentimes comes as a result of the star, that the star really sets the tone. and. Yeah. 
again, I, I love Amy Poehler. Another cast that you worked with that is a million-dollar cast is the Everybody Loves Raymond crew. Oh, right, yes. Uh, that was um, uh, Phil Rosenthal called me up. We knew each other a little bit from seeing each other at uh, Springsteen shows. <laughs> and uh, and he had an opening on the staff. And this was like season seven. And uh, I was already a giant fan of the show. Uh, I just thought it was just like A-plus a cast. Uh, and I loved the simplicity of the storytelling and, and the way the scenes were written and, and performed. So he called me up and he had an opening over there. And I was, I had just finished doing a failed show for Fox uh, called The Pits. And I was going to like go back to Simpsons which was kind of my comfort zone. Uh, and Phil asked me about it and he said, I, he said, I'm going to be honest with you. I floated your name by the network and they shot it down. And I, <laughs> and I said, really? Why? He, he said, he, he said, uh, they, they said, you're a cartoon guy. Uh, so he said, if you wanted to come here, I would have to fight for you. And I will, if you want me to, but I need to know that you want to do it. Because uh, otherwise, it's a fight I can save for something else. You know? um, so hearing that, that was the first time I had ever heard that writers could be typecast, like kind of into a particular kind of show. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I didn't know that. And it, it scared the hell out of me. I know uh, drama writers who, uh, who say, well, they're like certain camps. You know, you're in the Dick Wolf camp. You're yeah. in the procedural camp uh but you're not working on shows that are sexy enough uh yeah yeah you know that that kind of thing um yeah yeah, yeah it's it's pretty insidious yeah so once i heard that then i immediately told phil i i said i definitely want to come over there so he went to bat for me you know at the time you know, the show was a giant hit so he won the he won the battle uh which was this before or after parks and rec this is before Parks and Rec. Okay. So uh, you were a <clears throat> cartoon guy at that uh, point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had done a lot of live action, but they were all, you know, like, what a country out of this world, top of the heap. <laughs> <a lot> of <laughs> those. Uh, and so, yeah, he got me in over there. And I, I had a ball, and I learned a whole you – know, when you work for a great showrunner, and I've been very lucky, like, to me, you're constantly – learning like you know i learned tons of stuff from phil uh, on raymond i learned a lot from mike sure uh you know on uh, on parks and rec you, you just you're just constantly learning different you know storytelling styles managerial styles and uh um so it was you know it was a great experience and ray was in the room you know every day with us and uh uh, had a big hand in the show, and it was the staff was very, you know, welcoming to me. They had been together since the beginning, so you walk in season seven, and you know they really like know the show. I thought I knew it because I was a fan, but when you go in as a writer, it's it's a different show than you, what you think you see on TV. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I, I directed that show. Love that cast. Love that group. I used yeah. to go back to the room with them, and and help pitch during rewrite night and it was a great room it was real fun yeah, it, and it, and ray was just a guy in the room yeah 
Yep, yep. No, that's it. Was great about like Ray was like that, and then on Parks, like Amy, you know, was the same. She would come into the room, so, but she would come in kind of as one of the writers. You didn't feel like the stars in there telling you what that what they will and won't say, and and that kind of thing. They were in the pilot that I worked on. Same thing. She was in the room. Yeah, and you know, she was just one of the writers, and you could give her shit. You know, <laughs> she pitched something bad, <laughs> something you could you give her shit. But she also pitched some great stuff. She also pitched oh, yeah. a lot of stuff that got in where I, I, I'm thinking, God damn, you're talented. Yeah, yeah. No, she's, you know, she's the real deal. I, I, like I said, I've been very lucky to work with people like, you know, her and, and, and the, uh, that whole cast and, and the Raymond cast and the Simpsons cast. Uh, it spoils you. Uh, of like how they can take something that something sometimes doesn't even seem that funny on the page and they like make it work or they twist it a little, you know, on their own or say, can I try something? And then suddenly it's funnier than you ever could have imagined. <laughs> right. Well, now you and your wife have uh, a show of your own and it will be going into the second season in May. And that is Duncanville, which, I have to tell you, is a very, very funny show. And again, there's Amy Poehler in it. Thank you. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really funny, you know. And when it came on, I'll have to tell you, I'm thinking, okay, another Fox white family show. <laughs> it's like, you know, this is the Bob's Burger. Like, there are 15 of these. Yeah. Um, what about this show? But... There's something in addition to it being very funny. I just love the idea of it centered on like a teenage boy played by Amy Poehler um, who is just aimless, which just seems so fresh to me. <laughs> well, it, it came about um, actually it was a slow process. It, Amy and I had stayed in touch after Parks. And we just kind of clicked on the show. We're both like, you know, fellow mass holes and we always <laughs> kind of hit it off. And uh, we had been looking for something to do uh, together. And uh, she didn't, she wasn't looking to do another series at the time. And she texted me one day and said, would you be interested in doing an animated show together? And then, uh, so you know, I immediately, oddly enough, I got the text while I was in a meeting at 20th, one of those development meetings where they say, so what do you got? You know, you've been kicking around some ideas and I had nothing. And I'm uh -huh. kind of bluffing my way through the meeting. And this text from Amy comes, <laughs> God bless her. Uh, and so uh, sat down, you know, my wife and I, uh, Julie, we sat down with Amy and slowly over the next year started to put this show together. And teenagers as open as the audience they've always been for animation there hasn't been a lot of great animated teenage characters in these fox shows you got you know bart and lisa you know little kids and the the kids on family guy aren't really like that big of a part of that show right so we thought well this is interesting and amy liked the idea of her doing a 15 year old boy and and you know she she has two boys of her own and she she kind of loves how like at that age, you, they become so kind of monosyllabic <laughs> and, and you're always trying to figure out what they're thinking. And, uh, and she started doing this uh, voice that, that, that uh, felt funny. And um, 
we started talking about the character. And when I was in high school, I got called down to the guidance counselor's office once. Uh, and she pulled out the class rankings. And I had 500 kids in my senior class. Uh-oh. She, she, these are our class rankings. This is and not going to go well, I well, fear. She, pointed out, she goes, you, she goes she goes, there's your name right there. You see it? I said, yeah. She goes, what number is it? I said, 250. She goes, that out of 500. She goes, she goes that puts you squarely in the middle of average. <laughs> just, yep. You are the definition of average. You know? And she wanted to use it to inspire me. Like if I, I used to hear the word squandered potential a lot in school. You know, <laughs> you're squandering your potential. <laughs> um, and when we were talking about Duncan, we were sharing you know, those kind of stories about our like teenage years and stuff like that. So we wanted to put Duncan as that kid who was just like right in the middle, like, you know, the idea being that don't set expectations too high or they'll, people will expect things from you, but don't go too low. Cause then they'll start like really pushing you to get you up higher. <laughs> so, right. Uh, you know, and so we, we talked about like Duncan in his world a little bit like the, that 70s show. Okay. Uh, it started to take shape a little bit. The way Topher Grace they had the world of his friends and then also the, his other world with his family. And uh, we kind of shaped it uh, from there. And then Amy said, she was the dad to me. She says, the dad should be like you. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, you know how you can like, uh, ruin any story by turning it into something about Springsteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, oh, well, that's it. So we got Ty Burrell uh, to play the dad on the show. And now we've got this amazing cast. There's Amy, Ty, uh, Rashida Jones playing Amy's love interest, <laughs> which is uh, based on, uh, we used to get a lot of things at parks saying, when are, uh, when are Leslie and Anne going to kiss? <laughs> it was a lot of that. So we figured, all right, we'll give it to them in animated form. Um, and, uh, you know, Yasser Lester, uh, Betsy Sodaro. It's just a really, really fun cast. Ricky Lindholm and Wiz Khalifa, uh, who plays the teacher in the show, who, and it winds up being, like, supernaturally funny. So um, we're coming back on uh, around the middle of May on Fox with uh, 13 new episodes. It'll be Fox and Hulu. Okay. Um, last question. Sure. How long does it take from an idea like, okay, why don't we do a story about his first kiss from the idea until you have a finished television show that can go on the air? Uh, it's about nine months um to to do it it's the same length of time as the simpsons pretty much um uh that you know from the first like you said from you have the, the idea and like the the script might take about between breaking the story and getting a draft and rewriting about two months and then about seven months of animation uh so yeah it's a slow long process makes it hard to be topical <laughs> that's true that's you know, true. South Park has everybody beat on that. <laughs> I have to say, when we did our Simpsons script, and, and I even got a chance to be a voice in one of them. Oh, cool. Uh, it was very bizarre because we're used to writing a script and then seeing run-throughs and then seeing rough cuts. 
And so by the time it actually airs, we've seen the show many times. Yeah. As opposed to with The Simpsons, where we turned in the script and did the voicing. And then seven months later, seeing it on television for the first time. (laughs) That was very strange. And hearing my voice coming out of a cartoon character's mouth was also pretty wild. (laughs) Well, and it is like weird, like the, the process is so long and you're working on so many episodes that are at different stages of production. You sometimes like forget like an episode will come in in color, you know, like in, to, for us to screen. And it's like, wait a minute, hasn't this been on already? Like, well, <laughs> Cause you, you could have sworn you finished it and you've seen it on TV. Yeah. Uh, I've had the opposite. I'll be watching something on TV and I'll, run to grab a pad to make an editing note and then i realize oh wait no (laughs) it's on tv it's gone yeah that's the most frustrating feeling because to this day like i'll still occasionally think of like a problem that we couldn't solve you know 15 years ago on a show and i'm driving the car like i've got it (laughs) yeah like, and it's you know nothing you can do about it, uh, but it's just part of the process, you know. Um, wow, that, oh, that's cool. That's cool. well. I look forward to seeing season two, and uh, thank you so much for joining me. This has been great, Mike. Oh, it's. I got to tell you, Kent, before you sign off, this is an honor uh, to do this with you. Uh, I, you know, you you and David are like, you know part of the reason I came out here to do this, you know, it, it, watching MASH and, and Mary Tyler Moore and like your guys' names were always there. And then when I was out here, I loved Almost Perfect. <laughs> I thought it was just a great, great show. Um, and so I've always been a fan uh, of your work and, you know, cheers. Like to me, like your, your guys' names are just synonymous with quality and smart comedy. Uh, so it's a real, it's a real kick. And I always envied your other sideline uh, as a baseball announcer. Yeah, I, I once saw you at a Dodgers game. I was sitting just a couple rows behind you, but I was too nervous to approach you. <laughs> but no, yeah. so it's, it's a real kick to finally like meet you, you know, over Zoom. But uh, no, you guys, you guys are as good as it gets. Yeah, uh, appreciate it. How many people have asked you, "Hey, are you related to Vin Scully?" Oh God, yeah, that's uh, uh, there were times like. You know, my dad would always say, just say yes. Because tell him you are and see if you can get any tickets. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now, yeah, I used to get that a lot. And then when working at Fox, when they were doing X-Files, I used to get fan mail. For some reason, people would write to the character. Sure. On X-Files. They would mm-hmm. write to Agent Dana Scully. And for the Scully mail would wind up in my, you know, mailbox for some reason. <laughs> Probably a few marriage proposals. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, the, 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 the more appropriate ones were marriage proposals. <laughs> Mike, thanks very much. Great, Ken. It was a pleasure. And there you go. That finishes my two-part interview with Mike Scully. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolford, and Bruce and Jason Miller. If you want to get in touch with me for any reason whatsoever, my email address is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. And yes, I will write you back. 
Uh, if uh, you want to follow me on Twitter, go ahead, at Ken Levine. You can subscribe to this podcast if you haven't. could also use a five-star review. And uh, one last plug, Instagram, you can follow me there, Hollywood and Levine. So thanks again to Mike Scully. Next week, um, something else interesting, hopefully. I'll figure it out between now and then. Stay safe. Talk to you soon. Hollywood and Levine. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.